I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by Scott Woods, who is the current Vice President of Community Engagement at Ready and the former Director of the Office of Minority Broadband Initiatives at the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, or the NTIA. Scott spent over a decade working on broadband in the federal government and has now brought that expertise to Ready, which provides software to help ISPs manage their networks, apply for broadband grants, and more. We talk about the NTIA's recent funding rules for roughly $45 billion in broadband grants, what it got right and what it didn't, and how Ready is helping service providers prepare for new funding opportunities. Scott, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Nicole. It's my pleasure to be here with you and the audience today. Well, it's a real honor to get to talk to you today. I'm excited for the opportunity. Um, To start out, we have a few things to talk about, but I'd love to just start out to hear, uh, hearing a little bit about your background working in the federal government. You had worked on broadband for for quite a while there, um, and a bit about your recent role as the director of the Office of Minority Broadband Initiatives at NTIA. Absolutely. So uh, again, first of all, thank you for uh, having me on the show today. Uh, I initially came to uh, the federal government after a stint in private practice as a telecommunications attorney, Um, but I joined the uh, initial Obama administration uh, to administer the BTOP program at the time, which was the Broadband Technology Opportunities Program. Uh, At the time, it was one of a kind, $4 billion grant program designed to build out uh, middle mile infrastructure um, and computer centers uh, across the country uh, at the, uh, under the uh, American Investment and Recovery Act uh, programs. And so that's that was my initial entry um, into uh, the federal government space. I had previously uh, served in the federal government as a grad student um, uh, when I was pursuing my uh, public policy degree. I worked a stint in the Department of Justice at the time, which was INS as a uh, uh, as a program analyst, but this was all before, before law school and before broadband just became uh, the exploding issue and topic that it is now. And most recently, you were at NTIA, right? Correct. Most recently was the NTIA. It was an NTIA for twelve years. Uh, like I said, I started into the Obama right. administration under BTOP and then transcended all the way uh, through programs like um, the Broadband USA. Strategic Initiative, the Technical Assistance Program, which I led, uh, and then most recently, uh, the Connecting Minority Communities Pilot Program, uh, and then implementation um, of the IIJA uh, programs, the BEAD and Digital Equity Act programs. Great. So let's talk a little bit about those programs. They are the the hot topic of the moment. The the NTIA put out the notice of funding opportunities for BEAD, for the Middle Mile program, and for the Digital Equity Act. Um, Mm -hmm. So from your purview working within the federal government and from all of your work on broadband, what do you think are some of the most essential rules and stipulations within the NOFOs? Um, And what feedback are you getting from some of the communities you've worked with and are currently working with? Yeah, those are great questions and, and really timely. Uh, I think last week or a week and a half ago, I actually did a webinar on this with uh, an entity called uh, Telecompetitor, where I broke down uh, sort of key provisions of, of the bead NOFO. We focused on the bead. Um, and one of my initial observations uh, is it, administration and, and NTI is very clear that the bead and digital equity NOFOs are connected. 
right? Mm -hmm. um, so the planning activities, the emphasis on, on, on equity and infrastructure expansion, um, that's one of the greatest lessons learned, I think, from NTIA, from our administration of the BTOP program, is that it's not separate. Um, these are not tangential. These are, you know, companion strategies um, that absolutely have to be lock and step to ensure that communities have access not only to infrastructure and that it's affordable, um, but also the training and the devices and the utilization um, of all that comes with having robust high-speed broadband infrastructure. Um, so that was one of the first observations is there is a keen tie and connection uh, 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 between the B planning um, and the Digital Equity, Equity Act planning. I also talked about some, uh, some concerns. Uh, number one is the, the letter of credit and the, and the, uh, the match requirement, 25%. Uh, which I, is, is a is a floor, <laughs> right? Um, I'm I'm concerned about that, uh, uh, you know, particularly the impact on uh, smaller providers, uh, impact on uh, uh, minority uh, led, people of color led ISPs. Uh, that's going to be a problem. Uh, the match, along with the letter of credit requirement, I, I think NTI missed the boat on that. Hmm. But I think NTIA also hit the mark on the local coordination piece. Uh, to ensure that whatever plans move forward have to be, again, lock and step with the needs of the community. So um, there are a number of provisions I think uh, NTI could have improved, uh, but also I think it hit the mark again on the, um, on the local coordination piece uh, and, and, again, the coordination of BEAD and, and digital equity uh, to ensure that there's a comprehensive approach uh, to address the lack of broadband and, and making sure that such is affordable um, as we move forward with these projects in the future. So I want to back up a little bit because it's such an important point that you make about some of these stipulations being harder for, you know, Black-led ISPs, for mm -hmm. example, which, quite frankly, I don't come across nearly enough of them mm -hmm. uh, in my work. So what, um, first of all, is there a way for NTIA to address that despite the fact that the the rules have been written, especially given the fact that the Biden administration's whole point of view is that mm -hmm. um, digital equity and inclusion should be at the center of everything. And of course, um, that's somewhat taken care of on the consumer end with mm -hmm. uh, the Digital mm -hmm. Equity Act and some of these rules. But as you point out, on, on the provider end, it's, it may be actually cutting out some of the minority-led, Black-led um, uh, ISPs and other service provider um, vendors in this yeah, I think it missed the mark somewhat. I think it encourages, like when you look at the uh, the BEAD NOFO and the digital equity NOFO in the plans that the states submit to NTIH for consideration, you know, they have to lay out the uh, processes by which they encourage diverse participation, um, not only on the service providers, but in the provision of goods and services uh, that will be funded under the NOFO. I think encourage, I think it could have, they probably should have taken a stronger track and had it a requirement. Mm. Um, and, and really outline what states had to do. Uh, but instead, they took a softer approach and, and left it up to states to interpret what that means to encourage, you know, minority participation in, in women-owned businesses. You know, they stayed away from, uh, they highlighted women-owned, they stayed away from, uh, you know, minority-owned, you know, you know, Black-owned ISPs. Uh, and I get it, right, that, you know, they didn't want to cause, you know, too much controversy, but I think they missed the mark on being able to utilize this, you know, $50 billion, you know, package incentive, if you will, 
um, you know, to really, you know, not, I won't say mandate, but really outline um, the requirements to ensure diverse participation, not just on the ISP side in the provision of broadband, but also in the, the provision of the goods and services that lead up to the, uh, the build out of infrastructure and the providing uh, and the provision of service. So uh, again, I thought it missed the mark uh, as a one who was internal that provided recommendations. You know, I, not all of my recommendations were uh, uh, were in the, in the bead no foe. Uh, again, I think it missed the mark. Uh, but again, flipping on the other side, again, looking at the local coordination component, um, looking at there is equity language in the no foe. There is encouragement that states outline a process to include women and minority-owned businesses in the provision of goods and services. I mean, so it's not that it's lack of, uh, that it's absent or void. It's just it's not as strong, uh, I think, that the language uh, could have been and, and probably should have been uh, to ensure that the participation. We're leading too much to the states to interpret it. And as you know, <laughs> uh, states are going to do different. Exactly. Uh, states are going to interpret it differently. Um, unfortunately, depending on, uh, you know, their politics, which is, is is the reality of it. Yes, indeed. Um, okay, well, that's interesting and disappointing. Um, but let me uh, shift gears a little bit because you are no longer working within the federal government, which allows you to speak a little more freely about things Absolutely. like the no Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't tell see me how you feel. really feel, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I do not feel like someone who is talking uh, from, from the NTIA right now or has an NTIA.gov email address. Um, you currently have a role at Ready or Ready.net. So maybe you can tell us a bit about what that is, how it intersects with the broadband industry and what your role is there. Uh, I think I appreciate it. Before I do that, let me do say, I enjoyed my time <laughs> at, at NTIA. Um, there are some great professionals there. The, the folks that are working on and have worked on the, the BEAD and digital equity NOFOs and the CMC program, my team that I left behind are, are absolutely great at what they do. And so the fact that I've highlighted and have been critical of components does not take away from um, the great work that's that's uh, that's done over at NTIA and that has been done historically, uh, even before my time there. So, I wanted to make that clear for the audience. <laughs> the record is <laughs> clear. The record is clear. Alan Davidson still loves you. <laughs> Nina Raimondo really loves good, you. <laughs> really good person. I, 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 I like those folks over there a lot. Awesome. Uh, but I, I, you know, recently joined Ready as Vice President uh, of Community Engagement and Strategic Partnerships, and it, it really is a. A, a groundbreaking time and so much enthusiasm um, in the industry right now, not just because of the, you know, 50 to $65 billion. It's just, uh, you know, coming out of COVID, right? There is a demonstrable need um, to address inequality in the provision of broadband, just based off of what we went through, you know, in the heart of the pandemic. And so I saw this as an opportunity to utilize my expertise uh, you know, both from NTIA and on legal and, and the business side to, to join a company like Ready that has, you know, three pillars. Number one, it's developed a software as a service product um, that will allow uh, service providers, primarily ISPs, to uh, conduct, you know, a real detailed end-to-end -end management of their networks and customers um, on a proprietary basis, utilizing the latest, you know, technology and, and map and information um, it's really it's a really cool software product. I'm not giving it justice enough of how I just described it. Um, and then the second component is the broadband.money digital platform mm -hmm. uh, that is a component of the 
uh, ready.net software. Uh, but it's a digital community right now that's growing. We're giving uh, a lot of stakeholders a platform to come together uh, to talk about, to discuss you know, provisions that are going on in state uh, grants and federal grants and things that are going on in, in locally. Uh, I get a platform to highlight what's going on in the community. Mm-hmm. Really highlighting unserved and, and underserved areas and making sure that these grant funds, both state and federal and the private equity money, are really geared towards and will go to achieve the results that we all want, which is to uh, significantly address inequality in the provision of uh, affordable broadband services in this country. And then the final sort of platform or division that we have is Ready Impact Capital, uh, Mm -hmm. where we have a team that will invest uh, money to support ISPs to ensure that these projects will will uh, be implemented and constructed and finished, right? Um, so we talked about the issue with the match. We talked about the issue of the letter letter of credit. You know, our Ready Impact arm will partner with uh, jurisdictions with service providers to ensure they have the capital um, that they need to be successful. Um, and it's done so under the guise of what we call patient capital, right? So it's not a traditional high rate of return, double digit yield in two or three years and you know, it's really more of we want to ensure these projects are successful um, and will provide capital and, and financial assistance uh, at reasonable, you know, returns and reasonable basis to ensure these projects can be successful. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about all three of the platforms um, that we offer here at Ready. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, would you say it falls under a consultancy or um, a technology vendor? Probably technology. I think the, the, the company as a, the base company is a software company. It's a tech mm-hmm. company. Uh, but uh, again, it's flex, flexible and modular enough to see that there are needs, right, um, in, in the, the spaces that, the, that we can play. Uh, but the essence, the core of the company um, is, is the software. Uh, and it's uh, probably you know, some of the most smartest you know, computer engineers, software engineers, data scientists uh, in the world that are working at this company and on this product, um, and they are—they truly have—they truly have a heart to ensure that uh, the ISPs are successful, these grant funds are successful, um, and so it's a—it's my pleasure to be able to join them on, on this journey. Yeah. So yeah. So essentially, it feels like Ready kind of has a product for each step in the process of of getting the funding and building these networks and and connecting um, different stakeholders together. Is Am I understanding that right? Absolutely. It's more than that. I'm sure I, I would encourage folks to go to ready.net or broadband.money to get more information. Yeah. Uh, we're scheduling, you know, you know, demos of the tool and the product um, to join broadband.money is free. It's a, it's a digital community. Uh, we have a lot of resources. Our, our media team that they're doing stories that are highlighting, you know, achievements of communities, uh, highlighting stakeholders. Uh, both good and the challenges. All right. So I think we, we give a, a holistic 360 degree view uh, of what's going on in, in the guise of sharing information. Mm-hmm. But the, I think the, the, if I say the, the flavor, the tenor of the company is, is a tech company, is a software company. Uh, and gotcha. that means uh, we don't take no for an answer. That That's one of the few things that I've learned here um, is no is not an answer. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's always, well, never thought about that. Let's, let's think about that and see what we can do to address that. So that's refreshing because, you know, coming from the federal government, the answer generally is no. 
is generally the first. Oh, we can't do that. We've never done that before. Uh, that's not, I, we don't have such constraints uh, uh, at ready yeah. and broadband.money. So um, what kind of, what have you guys been hearing from service providers uh, at ready and at broadband.money since the NOFOs were released? And how, do, how are you seeing them using the platform? Um, I'm just curious to see, uh, you know, now that now that these opportunities are open, um, are they coming to the broadband.money platform and saying, hey, I need resources on XYZ or, hey, I'd like to connect with a vendor who does this or, hey, how do I, you know, get to know my state broadband office? Is that are those the kind of connections absolutely. you guys can help facilitate? Okay. A- absolutely. I, I just going back at my time uh, before ready and, and my time with ready, you know, the number one question I've always received, whether it was from an ISP, whether it was from a a state and local government representative, a community member is, where do I get started? What do mm-hmm. I do? Right. And if you look at the, the NOFOs, right, you look at the B, the digital equity, the middle mile, they're heavily data intensive. Right? You have to know data. You have to know what's in your community. You have to know where broadband is, where broadband is not. You have to have a basis to challenge, you know, the FCC maps that are coming in any of those household determinations, um, you know, that are that are that will be in that uh, mapping platform. Um, and so I, I believe we have uh, a product that uh, addresses all of that, right? Parcelatized data down to the individual household level, as well as a community that you can, you know, figure out where do I get started? What resources do I need? Uh, who can I connect with, um, you know, to assist? And, and then again, as well as the ultimately the financial arm, um, you know, to help, uh, you know, communities get jump started and, and uh, effectuate and implement the project. So. I'm excited about it. But, you know, again, I think if you look at the data, if you look at the data components of, of, of the NOFO, it is heavily, heavily data intensive, right? Communities, mm-hmm. state broadband offices have to put so much into these plans uh, and they have to understand and know, you know where broadband is, where, where it is not, where their underserved and underserved communities are, you know, how they're going to target strategies to address digital equity um, in all aspects of the community, right? Digital, you know, telemedicine, you know, enterprise community, right? You know, they have to understand all of that. So where do you get started, right? <laughs> that's the, that's yeah. the number one key. If you just sat down and took a deep breath and say, okay, how do I begin to fashion a strategy to develop this? Um, uh, that's the number one question that, that I've received is we don't know where to start. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that's the reason part of the reason why I jumped over to ready is because, you know, I believe we have a product and a platform that can assist and will help, um, you know, communities and stakeholders and ISPs, you know, address that initial question of how to get started and then have a product that will uh, enable them, assist them uh, moving forward throughout the entire life cycle uh, of, of a project and program. Awesome. And just to close us out then, you know, you started working in the federal government uh, when we started caring about the digital divide under President Obama, and, and you you were working there under President Biden when we uh, really committed to it uh, and, and seemed to understand it better, I think, than we did, uh, you know, 15 years ago or whenever that was. I don't really know what time is anymore. Um, so I just love to know from you any key lesson that you've learned about whether it's policy or, you know, the technology itself or anything about the digital divide that's guiding your work now that maybe you didn't understand when you came into it under, you know, President Obama, however many years ago that was. Yeah, I think that the number one and number two things, I'll do number one first, is that these are, you know, tangential strategies that that 
uh, are absolutely have to go together, right? Digital equity um, and broadband infrastructure, affordable broadband infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? So when we started, it was the notion of of digital inclusion and adoption, which at the time, you know, was just the provision of devices, uh, and then the, and building infrastructure, uh, you know, as a catalyst for last mile deployment and. Uh, things of that nature. Uh, but I think we've learned over the years, and, and unfortunately the pandemic was a, was a huge eye-opener, um, is it can't just be infrastructure, right? It's not just providing uh, unserved or underserved communities with, with devices. You know, there's a whole utilization, there's a whole training, there's economic development and workforce development um, that comes along with that. There's the whole telemedicine and, and, and telehealth piece spurred on partly by the pandemic, but it was a phenomenon before then of how all of this works together. And, and then it has to be affordable, right? So I can spend billions of dollars building infrastructure and devices and training, uh, but if the services aren't affordable, and if I don't have plans to to train and include, uh, you know, underserved communities, vulnerable communities, you know, our senior citizens, then we're just, you know, it's, it's wasted money. Uh, and in fact, we have a, a bigger uh, inequity that exists. It's not a divide, it's a chasm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to make sure that it's, uh, that we make a significant impact to, uh, to, to, you know, lower that, right? I don't know if we, we can solve it, uh, totally 100%. I know that's this administration's goal. Uh, it's an aspirational goal, but I know that the, these funds, these programs will have, um, a significant impact on the digital chasm, the digital divide, uh, that exists. If I had to compare and contrast, you know, both administrations, uh, uh, you know, just people who care about the mission of the agency, um, they understand greatly the issues uh, and are, are working extremely hard, uh, you know, to put policies and programs in place uh, to address it. From the industry standpoint, what's significantly different than the BTOP days mm-hmm. is it's all hands on board. There's, yeah. There are collaborations between you know, service providers and, and public and private entities, you know, the philanthropic community, uh, the local community, community champions. It, this is indeed an all hands uh, on board effort where in the early part of the BTOP days, uh, the service providers were probably a little more reluctant to jump in and, and be a partner. And uh, I'm not seeing that reluctance or um, opposition, you know, this time around, you mm-hmm. know, like we did, like we saw, like we witnessed in in the B top day. So that's refreshing. And, and in fact, we will need an all hands, everybody in collaborative approach um, to solve this issue. So it is, it's refreshing is an energy that's in the industry right now uh, that has not been in it for a while, or at least from my perspective. Uh, and, and we're excited that we get to play a part in it and, uh, and ultimately help communities, uh, you know, move forward, uh, to be more uh, competitive as, as uh, American society as a whole. So uh, I know that was a lot. <laughs> as no, you can tell, fantastic. I can talk about this all day. <laughs> I could ramble about this all day, but no, it's, it's really a great time to be, you know, in this space and, and working with, um, you know, all of the stakeholders that we, that we get to work with. Well, I could talk to you all day as well, but you have far more important work to do than to sit here and talk to me. So I am going to let you go. But um, thank you so much for your time. And I'm I'm just excited to keep up with your work. I think uh, the industry is lucky to have you in in the spot that you're in now because they're going to really need your your expertise. So um, thank you for sharing your expertise with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here with you today. 
Thank you again, Scott Woods, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.